Okay, there we go. Good morning, happy Wednesday. Welcome uh, to another episode on the Duamaro podcast. This should be episode 200-201. Um, I'm happy to be back in the studio, and I'm very excited for this this one special individual. He's a great mentor of mine. He's a, a region legend. Been coaching for over two decades. He's the new head men's basketball coach at St. Francis de Sales High School, and I'm joined here with my co-host, the one and only Jim Delo. Oh, there we go. I'm excited to be back in the nest and uh, talk to Coach Moore with you. Well, Jimmy's getting the headset right now. All right. There How we about go. Now? You know what? I haven't done this in a while. It's more you know, comfortable. Change that uh, camera over there. How you been, man? Pretty good. I was on Facebook getting ready to post about Coach Moore joining WJOB, but I'm excited. I'm you know, excited we, to talk to you and more. I don't get to more. see you, man. You're traveling. I saw you got a. I saw your picture with Shrewsbury. How's he like Notre Dame? You know what? Um, he loves it. The culture, right? He he loves the the community. He's in the rebuilding process right now. Oh yes, he is, man. And he's gonna get his. He's gonna. I saw the projections, man. They're not good. Western Carolina came in and. Um, you know, play like a traditional college basketball team in this modern day era, with. Oh, I did you. Sorry. About oh, there you that. go. I messed up. Um, Sorry about that. Western Carolina was a very mature team, very experienced, and they knew that Notre Dame was a very young team because they got Notre Dame predicted to be at the bottom of the ACC yes, right I now. Yes, I saw that. Um, so Shrewsbury got his hands filled, and hopefully he's staying off social media because uh, one minute they love you, then the next minute, right? He's, Why he's did getting, he leave Penn State? Better opportunity, I believe, at Notre Dame. Once Bray took a step down and resigned. I don't blame him. And then Shrews is kind of uh, picking up the load that Bray left off. You know that's you know what why a coach would leave somewhere and go somewhere else. I think that's a pretty much of a a good segue to our guest today. How's that? I know, right? Coach Larry Moore, <laughs> the legend, Hall of Famer, um, and he's he's been a great mentor of mine, and we have many conversations, you know, about basketball leadership in life. And uh, Coach Moore, good morning. Good morning to you guys. Can you see us? I can't see you. I'm all squared away. That's a wasn't that a good segue? Why a coach would leave and go somewhere else? For what I what I say for for a better opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Is that why a coach would leave and go uh, somewhere else, coach? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think in all our careers, uh, you want to move up. Uh, sometimes you feel like you're stagnant, even when you're successful. And you need a new talent. And so um, change is not comfortable for a lot of people, but I'm okay with change. Well, why don't we give the context? Uh, Larry Moore uh, associated with, uh, you know, was a Hammond Central coach, had an amazing team last year and over the last few years. And he moved over right across the state line back to his alma mater, St. Francis de Sales. How you like it, man? I love it. Uh, small school setting. Feels good to be back at home. Um, you know, it was a little weird. I was in the school city of Hammond for over 20 years and 
built great relationships. And, uh, you know, it's just go from about 2,000 students to close to 200. So uh, it is a little more laid back. You know, the Catholic Blue uh, setting is a little different, but I'm comfortable with it. This is where me and all my brothers went. My dad was a coach here, so I, I feel back at home. Speaking of your dad, I know him uh, better than I know you, but uh, what did he say about this transition? Um, when I was thinking about the move, he told me to take some time uh, when the offer was put out there to make sure that's what I wanted to do um, and he was going to support me. Uh, he know that my, my end goal is to be at the collegiate level, and if this could catapult that and put me in a position for that, then he's all behind it. You know, uh, I did not know that that was your end goal. I, we, you and I never really discussed it over the years. Elaborate um, on that. What is your ultimate vision where you'd like to take your career? I've always envisioned myself at the collegiate level. I think I could do well uh, recruiting. I think I could do well with skill development and, and bringing, um, you know, a, another head coach to the bench for a college level. So, um I never had a desire to coach high school. I've always had a desire to coach college, but when you love what you do, um, you have to do what it what it takes to get to that next level. So uh, many people thought that my dream job was high school, but it's never been my dream job. I've always wanted to be at the collegiate level. Coach, you finished out at, at Hammond Central and had an amazing coaching career there. And what was the – when you finished your last coaching game, what was that like for you to be – be done with uh, Hammond Central. Uh, it was emotional, man. You have you 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 build relationships uh, with the parents and your players. Uh, I still talk to my former players from that team. Uh, we text. I check in on them on their academics, just how they're doing, them working out. So uh, those relationships haven't changed. Those are those are my guys, and I still want to see them do well. So um, it was emotional being tied into somewhere for so long and having success and building a program, but uh, I'm comfortable in my move. I, I feel confident that I could bring that over here where I played. And, um, you know, I'm just ready for the challenge. And I, and I do have a challenge in front of me starting from zero. Every coach knows when they're getting ready to make that next jump. I talked to a lot of college coaches and they put their resumes in for different other collegiate jobs. But when did you get that bug? Was it when you was having success and you felt like you maxed out? Or when did that bug hit you in your coaching career when you was at Hammond? There's kind of kids that you're kind of tied into and you say, well, when he's a senior, then I may look somewhere else. But, uh, you know, when I had Reggie Abel for four years and then Jordan four years, I kind of knew once Jordan left that I was going to kind of venture out and really entertain some offers. A lot of people didn't know a lot of schools have been presenting opportunities uh, on the Indiana side as well as the Illinois side for the past five years. And I just wasn't really interested. And um, after the run we had, I felt that it was a good time for me to uh, take a next step and, 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 you know, grabbing a program that hadn't been very good for years. And so um, I, I know what I'm faced with. I know I have a lot of work to do. It's not going to be easy, but I, I think I'm up for the challenge. What's your, uh, before I kick it back to D-Lo, what's, What's the goal you set for your team right now early on in the season for preseason? Um, you know, we're a 1A school, but we play all 4A and 3As. And so I've been reiterating to my guys, like, you know, it's a marathon and don't get discouraged because we do play a lot of the top teams in the Chicagoland top 25. So it's going to be a garland earlier, but we just want to be playing our best ball late January, February. We don't need to be the best team in November. Um, just being positive with them because there's going to be some bumps in the road, but – that's just part of the process of them learning me. I'm learning them. And we just all got to come to one because at the end of the day, when we get to the tournament, I'm going to figure out a way to put a good product out there and win. Coach, uh, let's put some context here. Uh, not everybody knows the ins and outs of region basketball, and they're, they're listening elsewhere. Uh, Dwan has built up an amazing uh, podcast audience. Uh Coach Moore comes off a year at a public school here in Hammond, a big public school, in which he had one of the top teams in the state, and they played in one of the best basketball games in the sectionals. Uh, uh, we broadcasted it here on Jed TV, and it was, uh, I think, the highest audience of the year 
on our stuff and on the IHSAA. It was a huge basketball game. And mm-hmm. it was uh, Coach Larry Moore against Mike Hackett. Uh, before we talk about this season, and I see one name I want to ask you about, how rewarding was that to beat Munster on Munster's home court in the sectional? Outside of that, I mean, when you coach against Mike Hackett, you have to coach. You have to beat them. His teams are not going to beat themselves. Well coached. He prepares them. And, you know, I had some success against Coach Hackett, which a lot of people can't say. So I'm really proud of that because it's not easy to beat him, let alone at home. So for us to get that win, uh, it was huge for me personally, for our community and uh, again, man, Coach Mike Hackett is going to go down as one of the best coaches in our area, in, you know, in the state for that matter. So I respect what he does over there. And anytime you can be Coach Hackett, it is big. You uh, you said something that I was a little bit surprising. You said well, you knew that when Jordan was done, Jordan Woods is a special football player, uh, mm-hmm. especially, but he was also a special basketball player. How, what is that? What, how does that dynamic work? that you're kind of waiting until the end of his reign before you move on? Because you build a relationship. And, and, and the only way I was going to leave before Jordan left, if, if a college guy would have presented itself and it made sense, but you build relationship with these, with these young men on and off the court. Uh, you become a mentor, you become a friend, you become a father figure. And so um, me and Jordan grew together and I just wanted to ride that out. I felt like, his senior year, we had something special and a lot of people didn't know. And so, uh, again, I, I didn't know if I was even going to coach last year uh, after my mom passed. And I, I actually talked to Jordan over that summer about me may not coaching last year. And, and we had a good talk. And I said, Jordan, I'm going to give you one more year and then I'm going to figure it out from there. So me and Jordan actually had this talk outside of anybody else in the program. So uh, I just pulled a, your roster up at Max Preps, and I just mm-hmm. learned this before the show here from Dewan. but you got Jordan's little brother, and he's going to DeSales. Talk about that. Uh, excited. Mike Mike has been around me. Michael Woods has been around me since he was like fifth or sixth grade, just being at practices and things. He's very special, man. He is uh, He's a floor general. Uh, what he does different from Jordan is he can shoot. He can pass the same way. The athleticism is starting to come in. He's about 6'2 right now as a point guard. So I'm excited for him to be able to compete on this level. Uh, thankful, you know, that the family trusted in me as they did with Jordan and Harold. And so, uh, you know, each day just teaching him the pace of varsity level, the things that he's going to see. He's not he doesn't have a problem getting past the first guy. He has to learn as a freshman what to do at that next, at that second level. And so those are things that we work on daily. But he's going to be a special player. Coach, you uh, mentioned briefly about about mom's passing, and I know how much she meant to you and your family and and the community. How did you cope with that for your healing? If you don't mind sharing that with us, because that's that's you know, tough. That's a tough thing to process. I and I could go back when Marvin passed, so that's why I wanted to know how did you cope with that. Man, my players, man, my uh, practice, being on the bus with them, the games, the. Like they were, they were giving me my peace and my motivation last year. Um, I was excited every day at two forty-five to start practice because for those two hours that wasn't on my mind, and they gave me peace and it was fun. And we were having a lot of fun last year while winning. So um, they were the ones that were pushing me more than they knew. How's your dad holding up? Doing well, man. Retirement is new for him. This is the first time my dad has not had anything to do. My dad was one of those that got to school at 5.30, 6 a.m. I never got there that early, but that's just who he was. So um, he's learning to navigate. Um, I asked him every day to come help me at practice. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, Junior. He hasn't been to a practice yet. So Pops is enjoying retirement and, and this new age kid. I, I don't really think he's too interested in jumping in, in, on the bench with me. Somebody, somebody is interested, and that is uh, your longtime friend and associate. Uh, if you guys uh, catching this somewhere else, we're really kind of around the corner from Hammond Central. It's a brand new high school. It's a prize mm-hmm. job. Uh, I was everybody was surprised when Larry Moore Jr., who's on with us right now, left that job 
because there's a good talent pool and it's a great high school. It's brand new and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, you got another guy that's come up uh, right behind you. Are you still, uh, tell us, you know, how that came down and are you still in contact? Uh, with Boyette? Yeah, Jermaine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jermaine's going to do a good job over there. It's going to take some time because uh, a lot of the guys left when I left, he's going to have to put his front print on there. Um, however, the foundation was laid. I mean, the tradition is laid. We we won the first sectional and, and regional in that building. And so um, he was a part of that and he knows what it takes. And so, um, you know, as a head coach, you always want your assistant coaches to spread their wings. You want to create that coaching tree. And so uh, currently right now I have three guys that were under me there. Rick Scott at Lighthouse, Aaron, Aaron uh, Abrams, and now Boyette. So I have three guys that were on my staff that are head coaches. And so I'm really proud of that. And so, again, it's going to be some ups and downs that people don't realize when you're head coach um, that's outside of basketball. But I, I think he'll get it going. And it's going to take some time just because a lot of the guys did leave. Coach, I'm looking at your schedule right now. You go to 21st Century, go to – Bowman Academy. I assume that's a two-way deal because no way that they're making you come to Gary to play at their facility. What was that, you know, conversation like, if you don't mind just sharing? Because I would I would love for you to just elaborate more because nine times out of ten when a coach leaves and go coach somewhere else, most schools don't want to, you know, play that coach. Well, me and Coach Hayes have a, a great relationship. And so when he took over 21st Century, we talked through the summer and wanted to make it happen. Um, me, I, That's a mentor as well, man. He has done uh, a lot of positive things in our community as a coach, a father figure. And, and I reach out to him and, and bounce ideas off of him. And people don't realize our, our relationship. I have a lot of respect. And so for us to kind of uh, be at new new schools and we're able to get that rivalry back, I'm excited about it. And Looking forward to coaching against Coach Hayes as well, because you you have to coach you have to coach against him. He's going to have his guys ready to play, so I'm excited about that. You're going to miss this side of the state line. I will, I will. However, with me being familiar playing over here in the Chicago Catholic League, there's something about these old small gyms that made me who I was as a player. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, absolutely, I will have. Uh, Continue to watch and nothing changes. I talked to Coach uh, Okisha last night. They had a big win at Hammond Central beating Balbo. Uh, she bounces ideas off of me. So I still live in the area. I'm in Crown Point. So nothing changes with that. You know, I still want to see people do success, uh, you know, be successful. But for me, I needed a change, man. It was 20 years and, and I needed something different for me. You know, the uh, two state, you know, sides of the state line. Of course, St. Francis de Sales, where Coach Moore is at now, is on the Illinois side, but it's right on the very southern tip of Chicago. And then right across the way, Hammond actually borders Chicago. So de uh, Sales has always gotten a few athletes out of Indiana, especially Whiting and and up and Robertsdale up there. I mean, do you do you see expanding and trying to get some of the Hoosier athletes over there? Absolutely. That's definitely a part of it. Uh, it's funny, each morning when I and I drive into work, I see a Bishop Noel bus that actually picks up kids on the east side like a block away. So um, Bishop Noel is doing a good job getting over here. But yeah, I definitely want to present that to parents, an uh, opportunity for a Catholic education, small school setting. Um, our teacher's size is 15 to 1, so a lot of parents like that. So yeah, I'm definitely going to tap into the Indiana market and, and present an opportunity, another opportunity for student-athletes. Coach, what we, how would you describe your uh, style of coaching? Uh, I would say it's kind of tough but laid back. I allow my guys to play. I, I demand them to play defense, uh, but I do give them a little free reign offensively, and I like to press uh, like to press quite a bit and, and press uh, push the tempo. So, um you know, that's just – I feel like I tell my guys all the time we're going to be the toughest team on the floor. We may not be the most talented team. We may not be the better team, but we're going to play tough. So that's just something I try to instill in them daily through the drills and us in the weight room and create that mentality. Coach, the uh, – you you know, you said something, a couple things. I was surprised at. First of all, you got Michael Woods, and I don't think people realize that if uh, Jordan Woods could shoot, uh, better than he 
was able to. I mean, he was always the best player on the floor, no matter who you guys played. He wouldn't be playing for a wide receiver for Eastern Illinois. He'd be playing for Matt Painter in the backcourt. Uh, but you, you do, you know, obviously have uh, a freshman that you're expecting to come in and make impact right away. I've been in those gyms. I've gone to those games. It's an amazing high, amazingly high level of competition. You might go from one game to the next, and on both teams there was a high Division One recruit there. You know, you're bringing that freshman in and expecting a lot of him. Is he going to be able to do it? Absolutely. I, I feel like when you have a freshman that's ready, as I did with Reggie and I, I did as Jordan and I'll do with Michael, um, some nights they're going to look really good and some nights they're going to look like a freshman. But on the back end, that junior and senior year, you're confident in them. They're confident in themselves. So even going through the ups and downs, young, I, I believe that builds them for that preparation for those games as a junior and senior, those big games. And so I'm confident with the ball in his hand. And and I know he's going to do well. And he's up to the task. He's a very humble but very confident kid. And he's going to be fine over here on the Chicago side. Coach, you, you've coached over here for – over two decades, and I'm speaking about our region, Northwest Indiana, what are some of the challenges young coaches go through or the, the hurdles that they need to overcome to make a, make their self known like, like you did when you were at Hammond? Uh, I think outside of basketball, man, checking the grades, the parents, like, you know, in this day and age, a lot of parents want to be able to tell coaches who should play, who shouldn't play. So you have to navigate through that. You have to create a culture of uh, having an open door, but still being able to run your program. Uh, you have to do community things. So there's a lot of things that probably when we play, coaches weren't doing, but it's kind of like a collegiate level now that you have to be out there. You have to promote it on social media. You have to have your max prep updated. So it's not just coaching. There's a lot of layers. And so I think sometimes a guy get a job and he jumps into the coaching and there's like seven or eight different facets that they miss and you learn to grow and, you know, uh, kind of learn on, on the fly if you don't have a mentor to help you through that. Coach, and then I don't know if you even shared this with, with Jimmy, what's what's your outside passion outside of basketball? Man, my outside passion is my son, man. That is my um, That is my blessing. That is what pushes me daily. Uh, his energy. If I won a game, lost a game, he de- he didn't care about any of that. He just wanted to be around me and spend time. So, my my son, my father, my brothers. That's that's my passion, man. I, they're the ones who uh, motivate me. They're the ones. You know, sometimes you have to be able to laugh at yourself. You can't take yourself too serious, and you can't get offended. Uh, you know, when I thought I man did a good job coaching, and my dad would send me a text and say, "Hey, you could have did this," or my older brother, he saw it a different way. Uh, you have to learn to take uh, constructive criticism and, and not be offended by it, by the ones who love you. Tell us about your brothers. So my older brother, Tamel Moore, he is an administrator uh, at Evanston High School. He will be on the bench with me as well. Uh, coached at Bloom for years, coached at Hammer High. And um, even uh, over – he was at Bloom, Hammond High, and now he's in Evanston as administrator. So he will be helping me out have another older brother, Keon Moore, who uh, drives Fort Bliss in Chicago Heights. And my younger brother, uh, William Moore, has his own uh, consulting company with the railroad. So he works um, between Cleveland and old Atlanta. I mean, he's all over the place, but his company is doing really well. All of us play college basketball. So, uh, you know, everybody's doing pretty well right now. What do you think about NILs? I think it's great. I think um, student athletes have to be educated on it. I don't think the money is what people thought it was going to be, but there's a lot of positive about it. Me being a former player and even Rico know there are times when you are a student athlete and you have any money, but if you get a deal, even from a pizza parlor, that may give you five when you're able to buy food and little small things that your parents might not be able to provide. So I think it was warranted. I think it was needed. Um, I just hope like those guys that are getting a million dollars, I hope that they have the financial planners with them and they're paying taxes on things. And so they're in place so they don't fall behind because you get that money at 17, 18, 19. That's a different lifestyle. Do you you think that's happening for these guys that are getting that money or do you worry that it's just going to be gone? 
Well, I think at the bigger universities, I think they have people in place. They have agents and, uh, you know, those coaches have been around a lot of money. So I believe they're doing the right thing. I mean, if you look at, say, a Don Staley or even Matt Painter, them, I know they have the literature classes for them. And I think they're putting them in places to set up their money and different things like that. So I, I do believe the bigger the universities, I, I believe they are putting those kids in positive situations. Coach, you uh, did uh, basketball analysis for Purdue Northwest last week. How was that? Talk to us about man, that. I loved it, man. I, I felt comfortable. Uh, I was talking to Sam Michael about me starting to do some broadcasting classes because I want to make sure that I um, my voice is inflecting right and things of that nature. But uh, it felt natural to talk about basketball. I do it on a daily basis with friends and family. So it felt comfortable, and I want to continue to dive into that world uh, outside of coaching because I do have a, a keen eye on basketball and, and knowledge and understanding what's taking place in terms of offensive sets, defensive sets, and different things that coaches may look at. So I definitely want to continue in that space. Well, there's a, a little backstory there in that I, too, have announced a lot of basketball. And I asked Sam, I'm like, well, you know, why, you know, I'm available. What's up with that? And he just raised an eyebrow. And uh, he's, <laughs> he's a huge fan, and so am I, Coach. I mean, sometimes it's hard to – you know, maintain that uh, broadcasting uh, background and when you're in the middle of the season that heavy. But, man, you do a good job on it. And, you know, in another world, you know, that could have uh, could have been your direction. Uh, why do you like sitting in the broadcast booth? Honestly, I'm kind of done with it. I do the shows here and own the media and all that stuff because it, it just it takes so much out of you to go up and do a game and do it right. What's attracting you there? I love basketball. I love basketball. I love sharing the knowledge that I've learned over the years. And so uh, even that morning, I had practice from 9-11, got back to Hammond, changed, went over and did two games. And so I had been up since 6 that morning. But I, w I was excited for practice, and I was excited for the opportunity to get on air with Sam and learn from him. And, you know, it's just exciting talking basketball. It brings, like, an adrenaline rush to me when I'm speaking of basketball because I love it so much. Coach, uh, wrapping up this last segment, why do you love coaching so much? Been doing it for two decades. Every coach always thinks about, like, man, maybe this may be my last hoorah. But I, but you just started a whole new chapter. You know, I want you to answer that question. Why Why do you love coaching? When you get into it at a young age, it's, it's coaching. And then the more you get into it, it's like it's your purpose. And so I think I've transitioned from a coach to it being my purpose. And I feel like I have a lot to share with my players and I want to give it back. There's no, I, I do no good by not sharing the knowledge and my experiences and things by keeping it to myself. So I, right now I feel like I'm walking in my purpose to be honest more than coach. Hey man, it's good to talk to you. Uh, it's good to catch up. Um, it's not good for you to boot me out of the broadcast booth, but we'll leave that one on there. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't good at all for you to beat my alma mater over there in that sectional game. Uh, but um, I have no doubt that you will uh, reach, you know, higher uh, levels. Uh, it looks like, you know, you got one heck of a challenge coming up. I was just looking at your schedule. You got, oh, man. I was just looking at this. I'm like, yeah, I, might have to, yeah. I might have to come over there and see some of these, man. You, get, you go where you get CMA. And then you've got Brother Rice right away, Aurora Central and Loyola. Uh, of course, you got Bowman and stuff. Then you go to McNamara. You got Fenwick, De La Salle. People don't realize this; these Catholic schools, man, they're up and down sometimes. But when they get a good player, it's hard to beat. It's hard to compete, actually. Well, we opened up with Homewood Flossmore. I believe there are two or three on that side. The Paul Prep is ranked in the top 25. Brother Rice. De La Salle, St. Ignatius, we're going into Marion. So, um, you know, I've always been one that didn't, we didn't run from anybody in Hammond, and I wanted to take that over here because it builds a toughness and, you know, your tournament ready. So, yeah, I, I got my hands full coming up, but, you know, again, I, I understand the process and, I, and I'm okay with the process. Where well, do you guys have it, Coach Larry Moore at the Sales High School, head men's basketball coach. Uh, coach Moore, it's always a pleasure. 
And uh, thank you again for taking the time out this morning, coming on the podcast and WJOB, talking about your new journey. I'm excited for you. Man, thank you guys for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Coach, tell your dad uh, he's been dodging me for years. Now that he's retired, I'm going to have him on the morning show, and there's no reason for him to say no anymore. You got. We're going to make that happen, man. I, I'll have a talk with him today on my lunch break. We'll make that happen for you. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Thank you. That was great. Michael Woods going across the state line. Yeah, you know yeah, how many no. people in Hammond are listening right now? A lot. This, people don't realize we record this live, and then, yeah. then uh, they call him Rico. It's DeWan Marrero goes in there and, uh, you know, zips it up and does a little Adobe audition on it. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> people driving around going, what? Michael Woods went across the state yeah, line? Yeah, surprise me. He's, he's going over there, and, you know, obviously the whole Woods history's it was at Hammond, but now he's going across the border, and you know he probably won't be the last, right? You got a lot of different coaches that's that's in leadership, and some people like to go with who they know, um, and you know some people think it's always greener on the other side. So we'll see where that that chapter leads them. But this season's going to be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I want to get Mike Hackett on. I tweeted him, I DM'd him. I don't know if he checks his Twitter often, but he's a guy that I that I want to get on here before he retires because. Uh, he likes to be more reserved, but I'm I'm a either find him, go to a game, and ask him nicely. Oh, easy! I got I got his. Uh, he gave you uh, major kudos. Uh, Dewan and I are working on uh, getting him on a board, and uh, uh, Dewan's name came up, and Mike Hackett couldn't have said any more nice things about you. So he, you know, he he's aware. We're circling around to get him on. You know, Dewan, remind people what you do. Uh, I work for Paragon Marketing Group on the ESPN account. So that's who employs me, which is ESPN. I just, Paragon Marketing Group gives me that opportunity when they hired me. They said, Duan, you're on the ESPN account. So I cover all high school sports. Um, Lalamere is a client of mine. And so I went out yesterday to cover them. They play Minnesota Prep. Bosco plays them tonight at Hammock Civic Center tonight at 7. So next time, you, yeah, I, I might go to that. Yeah. yeah, so I just cover all high school sports. Um, very, very fortunate to see all these five-star, four-star athletes who, who get NIL at such a young age, and Paragon trusts me to go and uh, cover these athletes and showcase them on ESPN platforms, and our office is downtown next to Union Station, and so they're sending me out to Florida next week. Um, I have to go cover Carlos Boozer and his kids um, next week in Miami, and they play against prolific prep. So that's that's one of the assignments that I'm assigned to. And, you know, I'm looking forward to going down there with two of my colleagues. And um, that's what I do day to day is trying to keep up with all the headlines. And they just had to stay farm classic. So I like to see who stands out, let's say, Michigan State or Reed Shepard from Kentucky. And I'll go back in his high school archives and resurface his footage. And that's basically like my day-to-day is watching these games and, okay, let me go back in the archives on Dropbox and, you know, put out their high school footage for ESPN. You know, the uh, – are you, is, you seeing any uh, juniors, seniors right now that you really kind of were either a surprise that are really standing out for you right now? Locally? Yeah, anywhere. Um, you know, I, there's this one kid named A.J. DeBanta. Um like kids now reclassify to go up, right? It's, it's people. Most kids be like, "Hey, I'm gonna reclassify to do this grade over or a year over," but you have kids reclassifying up, you know, to if they're in a 2026 class, they go to the 2025 class, and then they're in college a year earlier than expected, and then they're in the NBA a, a year earlier than expected. Yeah, his name is AJ DeBanta. Um, just can score on all levels, right? And he's from. The East Coast, he's from Jersey, but prolific prep out of California picked him up, so he goes there now. Um, like, for example, prolific prep has the number one and number two kid in the country for each class. <laughs> and you have schools now that... Is that... Um, who's who's behind prolific? Uh, I, I can't think of the director's name, but, you know, our, our best unit that we have here to compete with those type of powerhouses is Lalamere. How's La Lemire looking? They they won last night, one fifteen to fifty two. Um, last night um, they got the number eleventh kid in the country, Jalen Harrelson, who went to Fishers. Um, 
they have the number 25 player in the country, Jerry Easter, who's out of Ohio. So Lalamere's doing a great job, but the the culture that Lalamere has, you, I mean, you try to sell, it's in the middle of nowhere. But the kids know why they're there, and I think that's one of the pretty most beautiful things about Lalamere is that the kids know why they're there because it's not anything appealing. It's in the middle of nowhere if you've been to LaPorte specifically. Beautiful. Yeah. But if you like nature and you like yeah, you being go secluded, for a walk, you yeah, know, you got the best walking in America, just about. So you know the um, every other Monday, I interview Don Fisher, the fifty-year voice of Indiana basketball. My coworkers love Don Fisher, the IU fans in the, in the office, and and I like doing it. Um, but he and I get into it a little bit, and part of it is, first of all, he didn't want to zoom. And I made him Zoom. I go, hey, dude, this is the deal. We're right. going to Zoom. And now he's Zooming all over America because he's really become quite the commentator on issues. And one of the issues that we started talking about was a similar question that I asked, you know, Larry Moore. I'm like, well, what do you think about NILs? And he's pretty, you know, pretty straightforward that he understands that, kid, you know, they need to make some money and so forth, but that it's becoming kind of too much like, professional basketball and that uh, the transfer portal doesn't you know allow for loyalty he's really uh, reluctant to embrace the change right and uh, I just wonder your thoughts on NALs and the transfer portal and the conference realignments in college basketball it's way different than when you played yeah it is it's... and he's got his Moorhead State yeah uh, I went tomorrow and I went to homecoming I went to go see my former coach, Preston Spradlin, and we talked about, jokingly, I told him I thought I was your biggest recruit until you got Johnny Broom to come to Moorhead, Kentucky, and he leaves you to go to Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Warhawks. And um, I said, how did that conversation go? And he was like, man, you know, basically we, we don't have the tab to, to keep a Johnny Broom here now in the NIL era. So he could get compensated with his NIL at Auburn, much more lucrative than Moorhead, Kentucky where Moorhead is still about hoops, right? It's about the best player will play if they could play basketball. But now you go to these power fives and you're getting treated like a pro, right? If I'm paying D'Lo $100 million, no matter if D'Lo is getting his getting bottom beat, butt getting beaten in practice. practice, I still got to pay the guy that majority of our salary is going to. And that's what some of these young players are selecting these big schools thinking – it's still about basketball, well, to a certain degree, but you got NIL now, and if I'm spending money on this certain player, best believe this player has to play. No, hold on a second. You got to go on that one again. You're you're basically saying that uh, the NILs have a, some effect on playing time and profiling of certain personalities. You wouldn't think so if you're spending – let's say, a huge chunk of dough on a specific player to sit the bench. If I'm sponsoring a kid to play, he got to play in his NIL, right? It's legal. That, I think that messes up the game. What you think? That, I think, <laughs> kind of messes up the game. I am all for uh, – I mean, I see this on PNW's campus. You know, the kids right. come over here and they get uh, interviewed. We're doing them all the time, and sometimes they walk over here. It's only a – couple blocks but they, they can't afford a car right you know and i see them out in the restaurants and you know i always buy them something because i know they got no money right and you know what i mean and that's fine if the, you know they get a sponsorship here and there i'm okay with that and even at your power fives you know zach Eady staying at purdue why do you think he stayed hey one that he didn't i don't I don't think last year he was going to get drafted just because of the style of play. Not to the level that yeah. he would have wanted. He would have right. got drafted. but um, Probably late second round, Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But to have a national player of the year come back and, you know, get some NIL. Because when you – it's public. When you go on these profiles and you have their Twitter, you have their social media handles, Instagram, and then you have the dollar sign. <laughs> and then you click on the dollar sign and Jim Delo's profile comes up where I could pay Jim Delo a hundred dollars to make a video to wish my kid a happy birthday. That's pretty impressive, right? I, I wish I would have had that when I was in college. I, I just looked that up on these, these, the depth chart and it's a dollar sign and they can monetize everything that they want until they leave college. 
So you got four appearances. Years. You want him to come out? And yeah. You just pay him five hundred bucks and he'll appear. You know. So that's it. It, it. You know, if you don't know how to manage it, it it could hurt the game. But a guy like Gabe Cups, I love Gabe Cups from IU. Grinder, I covered him. His dad is uh, a huge mentor of mine. Um, the Reese Shepherds of the world. And then, you know, you know the guys that's getting in I.O. You know, they walk like it. You know, they talk about it. Well, I mean, you are interviewing them. You're yeah. taking video of them. Right. What's it doing to their head? <laughs> you know, if if you don't have a solid foundation around you, it could hurt you, right, T- to help guide you, navigate that. Um, and then those that flips it are able to monetize it and do very well. Hunter Dickerson, right? He's one of the most impactful players in college basketball. He scored 30 the other night, didn't he? he 20, 20 rebounds. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he was always dominant at Michigan unless he played Purdue and Edie was able to uh, mitigate some of that. You go to Michigan, winning culture, and then you go to Kansas to a blue blood, and you impact the game last night that he did against Kentucky. Yep. And that's why I wanted to ask you about Jim Harbaugh and the whole Michigan – Stealing signs. Um, I've been reading a lot of headlines. Coach had an emotional interview. Um, and I then have I, not seen it, and I want oh, to. I'm a huge Harbaugh fan, yeah. And, and, you know, some people are like, he did wrong, so he has to pay the price. Other people are like, you know, this, this isn't a big deal. Let's just move on. And I didn't know if you, you've been following that story. With stealing signs, because I'm still Oh, I have it. been following it very closely. And if you guys haven't. Uh, you know, uh, Michigan has basically been caught red-handed with that one guy going on to uh, the sidelines. And eventually, uh, Jim Harbaugh has been suspended for three games. They still beat Penn State on uh, Saturday. I watched the game just to see how they would respond. But Harbaugh, in typical Harbaugh fashion, that guy that came behind him, look his name up real quick, that, uh, Coach. We need to say his name because in typical Harbaugh fashion, It's like next up, and that coach was outstanding on Saturday. Here's the thing. Whatever happens here, uh, Rob's back in the – thanks to Rob Aguirre for producing. Whatever happens with Rob or whatever happens with you on the air here, even though I'm not here and something happens and somebody says something or whatever, I'm responsible. Right. Okay? I own it. Uh, The FCC – says that I have to be responsible and I take uh, I take full responsibility for everything that's you get you guys do I mean now I can't control every little thing that's said or every little uh, interaction between people and you have to be cognizant of that but at one level Harbaugh runs that program okay right. even though you didn't have any may not have had anything to do with some of the stuff that's out there right and he's got to maybe, like, understand that he's got to change that institutional, um, you know, he's got to maybe look at it and get a little tighter group. I do that from time to time. I didn't know that was going on. All of a sudden, then I'm talking to people, and I got to come back. He's got to get in there, and he's got to know what's going on. Harbaugh's the kind of guy, just do your job. And I'm the same way. Right. Do your job, I'm not going to bother you. Bob Knight, do your job. I'm not going to bother you. And, and when I, if I got to bother, I got to talk to you. Then we got to, you know, then we got to fix it. Yeah, right? rest in peace, Bob Knight. Yeah, R.I.P. We need to talk about that. But here's the other one. I see that. That's crazy. But on the second part of that, do you want to hang it on him without a full vetting of the investigation? We don't know all of the details, how deep it went. Right. And you're hanging it on him at a quick. The Big Ten wanted to get ahead of it, right? Right. I understand that, but, you, you know, you got to get all the facts, and they don't have all the facts right now. I thought it was premature. Yeah, I think Harbaugh wanted to put out a uh, – um, what what's the word? Uh, a restraining order on the Big Ten. I didn't know he you could do that. He wanted to appeal. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to appeal that. And I just thought, why, why all of a sudden? Because Michigan feels like the NCAA or the Big Ten is out to get them. And they uh, are. And to some extent, it's like why now? Is it because of the success? Is it because is it JJ McCarthy, who's the the quarterback, who's having a Heisman year, um, and they have Quorum, the running back. You know they're winning, and then all of a sudden you you see another allegation um, about stealing signs, and you know 
I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes for, for I, Harbaugh. I'll tell you where I hope it goes. You know how that is. You have adversity right. in a locker room and a team, and that can really bust the team up and stop momentum. But you know what the other side of that coin is? It brings people together. Right. Gets them a little they, – they have a bone to pick, and they're ready, and they're going at an even higher level than the high level they were already playing at. Yeah. It could cause some cohesion amongst Michigan players, and it could basically cause them to be pissed off and go forward. Did you I would t- love to see them win it this year now. Yeah, they. I mean, the game that they won against Penn State was by a landslide, and they were more dom- dominant than ever. They just ran the ball. That was an angry defense, <laughs> man. I'm yeah. sorry. They could not – Penn State can always run. Penn State can always throw the ball in the flat. Everywhere they would go, there was somebody there. And they were just angry, and they weren't, like, shouting and pointing in people's face. They'd make the tackle, and they'd run back to the huddle, and then right. they're, like, hopping around ready for the next one. You don't always get that in a regular season game like that, you know, no. and they were pissed. No, I, I think sports more than ever is just something to keep an eye out for, and, and I'm glued to the TV on Saturdays, and I wanted to pull this up with – You're for, kidding to, me. To, to see college – high school. Some of them, yeah. Yeah, high They're school, all high school, collegiate athletes, and then some in high school. But then you see JJ is his worth, um, and I wanted to see your hear your thoughts about that. And when you, some people who may not see this information, they still think it's like, hey, I want to go to this Power Five, but it's so much you're going up against now, which, you know. No, I, I mean we're looking here, and of course, Bronny James is going to be the biggest uh, one. He's still in high school. And he got him at six million dollars on his NIL evaluation. And if you know who uh, Shadur Sanders, of course, uh, you know. You think he's padding his stats? Well, of course he is. <laughs> well, well, wouldn't you? I'm sending this to you, Rob. And uh, this is uh, yeah, put it up. J.J. McCarthy out of IMG's. Right, he he's actually from the western suburbs here. Yeah. And I forget what high school he would have gone to. And uh, there, you know, he's, you know, that that that's good stuff. Now, I I don't know, I don't know what the long term is here, but here's what happens. I remember one time, Shaka Smart was coaching. What was that, VCU? Yeah. And and uh, I had the press pass, and I don't normally go to the NCAA, but Purdue was playing right here at the United Center, right? So I, I call him up and say, Hey, actually, throw another one on there, and I'll take the wife up there. And I'll go sit right behind Shaka, and uh, we'll go eat some of the I food. I saw him last Friday. Yeah, and then we'll yeah. go out and drink, because I'm a huge fan of him. I'm not a huge Same. fan of Marquette, but it is what it is. And I'm sitting there behind. I go, hey, honey, I want to go a little early. I just want to, you know, I know some of these people walking around. I'm not a huge, you know, into the scene or anything. But I traded there at the Board of Trade for a lot of years, and I know some of the guys working there and that. So I'm walking around, and they're, hey, Jed, look at this. Hey, uh, that was my – name on the board of trade uh one of the board of trade guys works there and he's walking me around he's like you wouldn't believe the money these guys are spending to televise this and look at this and we went in there they had little lobster salad for the media and all that and then he went out on there the hour before the game and they're like there's the the one tall uh woman that's on espn uh, African American woman. Uh, I forget her name. Andrews was it? No, I, no. I forget. I, I, I would. It'll. She's not there anymore. Okay. But um, I'm like, gosh, look at all this big stuff, and then these kids are gonna trot out there and they're getting nothing for this game, zero. All this money was CBS was doing the game, yeah, and the ESPN was doing the pre games and all that stuff, and then uh, you got you know Matt. Painter had just gotten $2.4 million. He's way past that now. Shaka Smart was paid nothing for coaching VCU. I think he was in the hundreds of thousands at the time. And But I was like, look at all this. Why are we not giving some of that money to a trust for these kids so that they can do something? Right. Oh, you would have thought. And then I talked about it on the air, and I must have had 10 or 12 straight calls talking about what a loser I am for even thinking about that. And then here we are. They need to get paid, man. Think about yeah. all that investment. I mean, here we are looking at Marvin Harrison and all this stuff. Uh, you know, he comes out of Philadelphia and now he's, you know, he's, you know, he's going to make a ton of money and all that. Uh, 
but there's a lot of people behind them that the parents have invested a lot of money. They've invested a lot of time and resources. They need to be remunerated for that. Put it away. Let them get a start to their careers with some money. Let them not be walking around like Charles Barkley used to say, you know, uh, here I am, there's my jersey, looking in the window, right. selling for $85, and I don't have money for a pizza. Yeah. You know, you can't have that. It's it's bizarre, and I can only imagine when I the, – the, the steam I had committing to DePaul and being recruited by all these Big Ten schools, and I went to every school that I could possibly go to in the Big Ten County except for Miami because Marvin Ray didn't allow me to go to Coral Gables, Florida – um, to hang out over there because he was like, no, nah, it's just not a good fit for you in general. Um, that was the only school that he barred in, in Memphis. But for the most part, the the recruitment's different, right? Like you can't really just sell a parent. Most parents that just looks into this deeply than they should about X's and O's. Most parents are asking for like, well, how much do you have? And like coaches are like, what are you talking about? Well, they're on social media. They they're they're comparing them, their child to these other A list celebrities' childs, and it's not healthy for the sport. But I, I think I would have had some deals, some local sponsors going into DePaul and Lincoln Park, and then you know my transfer to Moorhead, Kentucky, which was beautiful because the Lexington players definitely get taken care of. And when you're at UK and Eastern Kentucky, and um, we always reminisce on what if, you know. But to to see these kids get get paid, and you got the the LeBron James sons of the world coming up now. It's like the legacies of the kids coming up and getting compensated. Is like um, things are always changing, like you said, and uh, I, I find it really interesting. Too. You know, we had uh, – what's his name? Um, Brandon Brantley. Yeah. Brandon Brantley, uh, if you guys are listening somewhere else, Brandon went to school up down the road here at Andrean, and he played at Purdue, and he's been – He's the quiet force behind Matt Painter at Purdue. Right. Painter looks to Brandon. They've been friends. They played together. They've been friends forever. And we asked him that question. Right. You know, and he's he gave the standard answer. Everybody basically like I did in the long-winded thing here. But he also talked about being able to walk into somebody's house and say, hey, listen. You're going to come here where it's Mad Painter, it's me, and we got a coaching staff, we got a culture where your kid's going to be grounded. Right. You're going to be grounded in the middle of Indiana on snowy days, and you're going to be driving around and flying around to the Midwest. It's not that romantic. Uh, it sounds romantic getting in a private flight and flying to East Lansing on a Tuesday night. It ain't. It you know you're going to work. The kid's going to be grounded because it's us that are here. That's important. And right. if you ask me, that's one of the reasons that Painter has been able to establish that is partly because of the silent guy behind him, Brandon Brantley, helping him, but also because they have that grounded nature to the Purdue program. They're number two in the country right now. Right. And part of that is that grounded nature. Not all these programs can offer that. They no. just don't have it. Culture, you know, a lot of these programs don't have discipline. The younger these kids go to college, the more they're just – messing up off the floor with the distractions, the access these players are able to receive from the outside crew. And, and that's one thing I do applaud about Purdue is their culture. And they know what type of people that they want to bring on board to keep the train rolling. Um, did you see the Xavier game? Were you nervous at all? Because Xavier always beat Purdue until that, that um, evening matinee. You know, honestly, it was a – I, you know, I do the morning right. show. Sometimes I go to bed early. True. And I, my dad's like, hey, did you watch a game last night? Like, Dad, I just passed out at like 6.30 because I wake up at 3.30 or so. But I did not see it. The old man called me and told me blow by blow on it. By the way, you ran into my dad. Um, I did not too long ago. Yeah, I love him. Every time I see him, he shows love and gives me a great smile, and I smile back at him. And He's 84 years old. Uh, we got media passes, so he goes down and does all the Purdue games, and Dewan's gone down there, and we got some yep. tickets down there. I mean, we're obviously a big Purdue family, but I got to tell you, Dewan, very few people know more about basketball, Big Ten basketball, than my dad. Yeah, I mean, he still plays to this day, you know. He's 84 years old. He's still playing. Kudos. I'm like, come on, Dad. Kudos, nope. kudos to him. and. um I know before we wrap up here, I want to know if you've been watching the election. Um, I know you have because I watched it last weekend. 
Um, and I wanted to know your thoughts or your your opinion, I would say, on just the whole election. Um, Here, I'll tell you this. And like, catch we're me talking up. about grounded, right? Right. We're talking about Brandon Brantley. You know, he calls in and, you know, we talk. We know that Brandon Brantley's a grounded individual and is part of the backbone of, of Purdue. Purdue. Yeah. Part of it also is he's from the Midwest. You know, we're way more grounded. We, you know. Yeah. So what happened during this last election is, you know, I, we had a number of Democrats coming in here. We had a number of Republicans, all these candidates coming in and out. Today, this morning, right before, uh, I don't know, four hours, five hours ago now, um, I had two guys on, both friends of mine. One's a Democrat, one's a Republican, Dave Werpel and Michael O'Pinker. And they ran against each other. And you would think that, you know, they were going to have some problems. They're still friends. They were friends going in and they treated it like, hey, do you want to vote for me, Dave Werpel? I'm the Democrat. I'm saying this. I'm Michael O'Pinker. This is what I stand for. You either want to be a vote for one of us or another. And that was it. That was the the ugliness. There wasn't any. There wasn't any ugliness in all of these people that came through and all of these elections and all of this. Yesterday, they had all sorts of altercations. People are uh, one jacking one in the back and then another one. Uh, two dudes, one of them the formal mixed martial arts guys saying, let's fight and all. I mean. We're grounded in the middle of the country right here. And what's going on out there in Washington just doesn't make any sense. We provide an example of how you can run an election, how you can talk to each other, how you can disagree, and then you can move on. And everybody is cohesively, we're one in the same. Is what right. Marvin used to talk about being part of the region, yeah. what it does for you, right? Right. I mean, it's not just the region, it's the Midwest. So when I talk and think about the elections... That's the, the that's the thing that stands out for me. We are grounded people here in the Midwest, and we act like it. And they're not doing that in Washington D.C. I, I can it see makes that. Me, makes me sick. I, I could tell, and the only reason why I keep up with politics, Rob, is because of WJOB and Jim Delo. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only reason why I try to surf the net and uh, you know watch the the Republican debate on on television and get it get some kicks out of it but i know when i come to wjob i gotta be prepared at all costs he's gotta go to he's gotta go to class oh also the soccer team won at purdue northwest right they won the gleag tournaments the yeah, first time they ever went turn your mic on there my uh, rob hey rob uh we went extra um, thanks rob people tell me that they like it when dewan and i just talk uh and not just well, that's interview very people. nice of them yeah i mean but i did thank get, you I got to be honest with you. I got a couple of texts here of people. We record live on the air. I mean, it's my radio stations and TV stations, so we might as well just do it live and gobble up some time. But uh, I got a couple guys that are hearing for the first time that Michael Woods is going from Hammond Central to, or he never was there, but he's going from Hammond to yeah. the sales. Yeah, I know, and right? They're not happy. Yeah, that that won't be the last. That's that's heading over to the cross the border because. Uh... I just think in general life's a competition, right? Yeah. That's what that's what D'Lo would always say. So I'm just uh, rephrasing what he's saying. So Rob, thanks a lot. He's graduating in a in a couple of weeks, so we got to let congrats, him go to Rob. Class. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a been a very long time coming. Uh, I'm really excited to finally hit this point. Hey, uh, by the way, DeRozan and the Bulls—they got a t chance this year or what? They're they're blowing it up in a. Uh, I, if it's not. By the trade deadline, it's going to be before the trade deadline. Uh, there's already talks that Levine's going to get traded. Yep. The Bulls and uh, Levine are looking for a trade partner. And if they're going to get rid of him, they're going to end up moving everybody. And we're just right back to square one. And this all just – it sucks the reason it started because of the injury to Lonzo. Uh, when Lonzo played, the Bulls had the best record in the NBA. And since he got hurt, you just built a perfect team around him and just fell down. So uh, – there's there's really no bright side in Chicago right now. In any what are you sport. talking about, Connor Bedard at the hockey level? That, that's looking nice. That that we have one bright spot, but too many people don't watch hockey. If people watched hockey, they would understand what you'd see right there. But for like, if you look at the sports that are very popular in Chicago, Bears, we don't know what's going on there. Um, hey, the Cubs got a bright side going though. Hiring Craig Council, we'll see how that ends up turning though. And uh, hey, I'm proud of both of you guys. You're doing great. You're Thanks, serious you. about the craft. And um, thanks for letting me sit. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And 
always enjoy talking all things about business, basketball, politics, and you keep me in tune with the world, you know, not just be one-sided, but let me flip the channel over to see what's going on on this side of things. So, appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thank you.